everyone, and welcome to season three, episode two of the Big at the Back podcast. We're back. Pre-season is ramping up. Transfer speculation is frying, flying. Great start. We're still very rusty, as you can tell. Matt, you absolute packer. How are you? (laughs) Uh, Well, (laughs) there's so many ways that could go, isn't there? Uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad, thanks. The season is very much like creeping up on us. We're like two weeks away now, and I do not feel ready for it. Um, but yeah, summer is like flying by already. Uh, you, before you know it, it'll be Christmas and we'll all be wondering what the fuck we're doing with our lives. But yeah, how are you? I'm good. You know, when we were out for dinner last Friday, your wife did try and tell us the amount of days left until Christmas, which is very, very concerning. Um, those you know what makes it even worse? I was in a shop this week and they had like Christmas, um, like, not what's the word I'm looking Decor- for? Crafty sort of, no, like crafts, like oh. make your own Christmas decorations and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> nah, not having that. I haven't even had my birthday yet. It's the start of the summer holidays. Like, oh my God. Um, regardless, uh, you say you're not ready for the new season. It is coming up very, very quickly. So... That's what she said. No, it's not. She's never said that to you. Um, So we are going to have this podcast to try and get ourselves ready. This is going to be part one of a two-parter. We're going to, in this part, go through the first 10 teams in the Premier League alphabetically and give our FPL thoughts and pick out our top three assets from each team. Um, So that's going to be Arsenal to Fulham. Liverpool to Wolves is going to be next week at some point when you're back from Benidorm. Oh, yeah. I'm not ready for that either. (laughs) (laughs) But that's if I survive. Yeah, let's see if Matt can get away from his completely unprepared life. And let's dive straight in. So the first team we've got to talk about is the Premier League runners-up last season, Arsenal. Do I have to talk about Arsenal? I'm afraid you do, because Declan Rice is... It still hurts. It hurts. At least he didn't go to Chelsea. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, it, it it still pains me, but it's obviously a great signing for them. Um, it's only going to improve their chances of doing something and winning something, in, in my opinion. But I am obviously very biased. Well, I'll tell you what, this isn't a football podcast. This is an FPL podcast. So the, the signing we should be talking about is Kai. No, no. Just no. New signing, Kai Havertz. 7.5 million midfielder on Fantasy Premier League. And he's just completely unownable. Uh, uh, The only thing I will say is that it's great that he's a midfielder because if he was a striker, it would be even worse. Um, But if we're talking Arsenal assets and FPL and midfielders, he's like... At least fourth choice. <laughs> I would argue fifth. So in terms of who we want to look at from FPL, I think you've got a really interesting case with Arsenal. So the standout best pick by far is Bukayo Saka. I think last season he petered off towards the end, but he was phenomenal for the vast majority of the season, especially at the beginning. I think he is the obvious shoe in for your first choice pick. He's the most obvious, isn't he? Like he was, he was pipped to their top scorer in the end by Odegaard last season. But like you say, he just by the end of the season, he just looked like someone that played far too much football. Um, with that World Cup in the middle of the season, he'd played pretty much every game for Arsenal in league and a lot of the cups as well. So yeah, it's if he can find that form that he had in the first probably two thirds of last season, it's a no brainer. What are your thoughts on Odegaard? Because in that new look Arsenal midfield, with you'd probably expect Rice, Havertz, and Odegaard. Of of those, you'd expect Havertz to probably be the one that moves forward a little bit more. So does that impact Odegaard's minutes, or what's your perspective on Odegaard from an FPL standpoint? It's a tricky one for me because I and I say this as someone who has paid no attention to anything in preseason so far. So take this all with a pinch of salt. It's all going to depend how those, like you say, those midfield three sort of interact. Is Rice going to be the one pivot on his own, um, which and hopefully allow them both to play with a little bit more freedom? 
Um, or are you asking Rice to do too much then? But yeah, if one of them's going to come deeper, it's going to be Erdegaard, surely. Um, which obviously means he's going to be have less in goal, less goal involvements. So that really does sort of devalue him a little bit. The other thing you've got to remember with Arsenal is Champions League football. So there is a like that rotation risk and how they manage those minutes for all of these attacking players. Yeah, they've got wonderful fixtures at the start of the season. The first one being Nottingham Forest at home. So you couldn't ask for better. However, with their players and with their assets, I think it is a bit more clear-cut than people are making out. Saka is the obvious one. But I think Odegaard and Havertz are probably actually going to take away from each other. Therefore, the correct answer is you just go neither. Martinelli... No, um, Havertz is not taken away from anyone. Martinelli and Trossard are still probably going to be taking minutes off each other. Again, the correct answer is you don't go for any of them. So I think... You're looking at other areas of the pitch. Saka is the obvious midfield standout, but another Arsenal player who's in my team at the moment is the person that would have been by far and away their top scoring defender last season if he hadn't had that massive injury, and that's Saliba, who is now back for Arsenal. Their defence fell apart without him, but with him, it was really good, and he's got a brilliant song. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, he he seems to be a fantastic pick. And like you say, before his injury last season, uh, he was definitely their standout defensive player. Um, again, they've got more depth in this position now with Timber coming in from Ajax. Um, I'm really looking forward to how they um, do like some sort of song around Kesha. Um, it's been done. It's going down. It's been done. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to exactly how they make it. Um, so... Like, imagine they could have the two best songs for central defenders in the league with Timber and Saliba. So um, that's all I care about. It's got to be worth something. Two other... It's got to be worth some points somewhere. Um, Three other defensive picks, I think, worth chatting about. Uh, In defence first, actually, Ben White and Gabriel. Now, Ben White coming in at 5.5, got 150 points last season, or 156 points, sorry. Um, unexpectedly picking up bonus points and assists on a semi-regular basis. What's your read on Ben White for this season at a 5.5 prize bracket? Well, him sliding into that right-back position really helped him. Um, like You can see him if he, if he slots into that role again this season. There's no reason to think that he can't carry on that form if he's got two good centre-halves alongside him and a decent goalkeeper behind him as well. So there's always a chance of uh, clean sheet and when you get those I am a little bit um, there's definitely worse picks out there so and he's at a 5.5 that's not a bad price point for me it's a it's a good tempting price point I, I think if he'd have come in at 5 I'd be on him but at 5.5 I think versus Luke Shaw uh, versus Reese James versus Chilwell I, I just think that price bracket makes it very difficult to own Ben White especially I don't know what you're talking about with Luke Shaw, mate. They lost to Wrexham last night. Especially with the other Arsenal defender, Gabriel, coming in at 5.0. Yeah, it's that's the that's the only sort of sticking point for me. Um, and you could even argue, and, and I know it's less probably nailed on, but in, with Zinchenko at five, if he gets consistent minutes on the left, um, but it all depends who slots into that position, really. Zinchenko is just all style and no substance. Like, I don't. He had one less start than Saliba last year. Zinchenko at left back and Saliba at centre back, and Saliba got 18 more points than him at FPL. Assuming. Quick maths. Even if you're looking at six points a game to three clean sh- sheets, that's Saliba is still by far and away the better option, I think, at 5.0. Um, <laughs> What's your perspective on Aaron Ramsdale? I know it's 5.0 for a keeper, but he's reliable. Are you tempted? If, yeah, it's, I just think with Arsenal's assets, I don't know that a goalkeeper is the way to go. Um, I would argue that you're better off with a defender, a midfielder and a striker. That is what I think. But I don't think it's a bad pick at all. Let's talk about the striker then, because the only one you can realistically consider is Eddie Nketiah. Yep, definitely. 
So, uh, I'll tell you what, though, everyone, everyone's watching Balogun to see where he ends up, aren't they? Because he racked up the goals in France last season. So if he goes out to another Premier League side, um, people are definitely keeping an eye on him. He's not taken Gabriel Jesus' place in the starting lineup, though. Absolutely no chance. Of- no, that's what I mean. But he, like, he's, if he, there's a lot of rumours that he goes out to another Premier League side, either on loan or outright. So he could be a tempter. Interesting. I mean, let's talk about the main asset, though. Gabriel Jesus. Now, he's in a lot of draft teams right now. Loads and loads of people are putting him in as the second striker after Mr. Erling Haaland. For me, at 8 million, he just misses too many chances and he's a really frustrating own. That being said, last season, what, 29 starts or 24 starts, 11 goals and seven assists. There's really not bad returns at all, um, but he won't be fit for the whole season. I I feel like I should be more tempted than I am. What's your reason, him? It does make you wonder if they're going to bring someone else in because obviously I know they probably don't need it with the amount of rotation they've got. Like they can they can stick Trossard up there, they can stick Martinelli up there. They've obviously got Nketiah in the background as well, so. Um, but obviously, he is carrying a lot of the weight, um, for the goals on his on his shoulders. Uh, he, he started the season really well. And again, it was another another player who was hampered by injuries. Uh, I actually like him as a shout. I actually I think eight million is a good price if he can stay fit. And that is the big if. Mm. The other option, of course, is Nicolas Pepe. Yep, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he is straight in my team. If you we spent a bit of time in Arsenal, but that's because they're a really interesting FPL team. If you're going to pick three, um, who would your three be? For me, it would be Saka, Jesus, and probably just Saliba. Um, I'd have Saka, Saliba, Jesus in that order. Um, Jesus is still higher because Dick, the striking, Dick because the striking Dick slots. Uh, really, it's hard to come by great players in them at the moment. So I think he's probably yep. the second, or no, actually the third best in his price bracket um, because Callum The Truth Wilson and Darwin Nunez, five out of five shots on target in preseason, are both in the same kind of price bracket. So swiftly moving on to the next team, which is Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, really interesting team. Tricky start to the season with an away match against Newcastle. What's your perspective on Aston Villa and their assets? Because after the Newcastle game, they've got Everton at home and Burnley away. Yeah, and they're obviously two pretty decent fixtures. I'd say they've got like a a, a good, like an average to good start of the season with Newcastle and uh, and Liverpool in their first four. Um, but in amongst that, there are some good fixtures. And it is worth remembering that they had such a good run when after Emery came mm. in. They were right up there. I think they'd have been in top four um, just based on when Emer- right on the post-Emery era. So they dropped off. <laughs> that, that wasn't true by the end of the season because they dropped off pretty hard at the end. Yeah, they, they did. And the thing is, you're, and again, it's going to be another case of how does this club get on with European football this season? Um, Because they've got that to look forward to as well. Um, Obviously, sometimes it can hamper sides. I feel like they've made a couple of good signings as well. Um, Obviously, Pau Torres coming in is a big one for them at the back. Emery's got these connections and he is a great manager for a club like Aston Villa because he can sign good players. Um, Obviously, the main one is probably going to be that people are going to be looking at and it's another eight million striker, and it's Ollie Watkins. Yeah, um, I like Watkins's price. I think that's enough to make me think, or oh, he could be worth that, but he could also be a waste of money. I think Ollie Watkins has been priced really, really well by FPL this year, um, because if he hits the promise of form that he was showing up times last season, then I think that's a great price. Fifteen goals and eight assists in the Premier League last season. Whereas if he goes through a bit of a dry spell and drops off, then you've got to be moving him on. I also really like the gone under the radar a bit, but they were the ones that picked up Yuri Zielemans from Aston. Yeah. Really, really potentially good signing. Um, 
defensively, I really like that Pau Torres, and I think actually he makes Tyrone Mings and Martinez both better options. But the defender I think is really interesting is Cash, Matty Cash for Aston Villa. Now, there's a bit more competition in the fullback slots, but what's your opinion? Again, like, I mean, it looks like so they've got Cash, they've got Moreno, they've got Dean. Um, I, are you sure I can't tempt you with Luca Dean? <laughs> you he's on my FPL ban list. <laughs> but he's so much fun, Tom. <laughs> We've spoken on this podcast many times about Luca Dean being the most and least fun FPL asset to own. We can't go into that again. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think Cash is probably uh, the best of their choices at fullback. Uh, Moreno is is he's a strange one. I thought like he either looked like he was going to be a world beater in one game, and then the next game he looked like he was Luca Dean two point mm. So maybe he is just a like a regen of Luca Dean. Perhaps. Have you ever seen them on the same pitch? Because I haven't. I can't say I have, no. That may be because they're both left-backs. But I don't think that's a good, <laughs> good, think that's a good enough reason, so I'm not certain. <laughs> um, but I actually, at the moment, have Pau Torres in my draft FPL team. I'll probably actually switch it out for Mings now I think about it. That seems to make a lot more sense because Tyrone Mings is going to be starting as captain. But I think... Well, look at you. You've made some changes to your team since we last spoke. You've actually logged in. Yeah, I know. It's a horrible experience. Um, Disgraceful, Tom. Then You've disappointed In me. goal, we'll always remember, was it two, three seasons ago that Martinez was just unbelievable? Uh, so it was two, two seasons back. So 2020, 2021, he got 186 points as a goalkeeper. That was clean sheets, penalty saves, 10 points. 15 points every single game week. Um, didn't quite hit that the last two seasons. So, but you, Martinez, what's your take on it? I don't love it at five. I just, with the season they had last year, plus European football this year, uh, I can see them being a little bit more susceptible to conceding goals. Um, we'll always have that season two seasons ago though uh, and we will always love him for it and we'll always love him for using the golden glove trophy as a penis we'll also always love his game against Arsenal last season um, yes um in terms of the top three then for Aston Villa I was start us off with Watkins I think he is. Oh, actually, no, I start off with Mings, Tyrone Mings, then I'd go Ollie Watkins, then I would go Pau Suarez as my three picks from Aston Villa. Uh, I feel like you've forgotten someone. Are you about to say Phil Coutinho? Yes. <laughs> Give me your picks. Uh, do you know who I am actually very, like, not tempted by, but I'm interested to oh, see yeah. how they do, and that's Musa Diaby. Oh. Um, who they've just signed as well. Uh, so he could be an interesting one at a 6.5 in that midfield slot. Um, if he hits the ground running, that is one person I'll be keeping an eye on. But my three would be um, Watkins, Mings, and I'm going to throw in Tillemans as well, just because why not? I want to be a little bit different. I think you'd go, Wendy. Oh, maybe maybe Tillemans is more sure of starts. Um I feel like the next one we can move through pretty quickly because it's Bournemouth. Now, Bournemouth last season, only two players over 100 points, and that was Solanke and Billing. Um, however, the only viable pick, as we know from last season, is Norberto Morara Neto. I, I, I thought you were going to say Solanke, but... <laughs> As you know how I love Solanke. The problem with Solanke is he's a fun player to watch, but he's been priced out this season. He should not be... A, 6.5 for a Bournemouth player is far, far, far too much. It's completely unreasonable. So that's a hard no from me. I don't think he's ownable in FPL, at least until he starts proving he can be consistent. Um, defensively, you don't really want to go near Bournemouth. You also don't want to be there for Solanke, which only really leaves the midfield. Now, I hate to say it, but Billing looks like the only one that's viable. Although Clivert at five million could be a bit of a bargain. New signing, looks very promising. 
bit wild that he's gone to Bournemouth of all, all places, but who knows what he can do there. Yeah, I feel like him. It just feels like there must be something there that he's either not very good or he's not got a great attitude or something like that. Because he just feels like someone that shouldn't be playing for Bournemouth. Um, whether it's just name, I don't know that we sort of think. But he was, I mean, he was at Roma, who obviously um, are a good side, managed by Mourinho. Maybe they'd have fallen out. Who knows? Mourinho loves having a falling out, doesn't he? He does indeed. Um... If you were going to pick a top three from Bournemouth, I think we can rifle through this pretty quickly. Um, probably, I mean, Billing, probably up there because you know you're getting something. Neto is maybe a rotation keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then I guess Solanke. I don't know. I'd have Clivert over Solanke, but... Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the real question here is who cares? That's a more valid question. So we shall... <laughs> on to Brentford. Now, Brentford, a very, very interesting one. And for me, this is dependent. Ivan Tony. This is oh, wait, shit. on whether David Raya moves on. Because it looks like from, and I haven't really seen anything since, but it looks like he's more likely now to be staying at Brentford. Um, so they've signed Flecken and Goal, who are 4.5 if he's a starting keeper for Brentford. Brilliant pick. However, Raya, if he's still there at 5.0, I think is probably too much. Um, got plenty of great options. Visa um, will be playing in that central striker role with Mbemo, also in that forward line. Uh, Mbemo on penalties as well. He's in a lot of teams. Ben Mee being there as well in defence. I think there's a lot of good players at Brentford and a lot of good fantasy football picks. What's your take on their players at the moment? I'm just trying to see if there are if I can find odds on David Raya's next club, but I can't. Um, so he's fifty to one to win the Golden Glove, though. Um, so that's just something for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he stays, he's obviously a great shout. They've got a fairly good start to the season. Um, Spurs, and who knows what Spurs are going to be like? Their owner might even be in jail by the time the season kicks off. Um, and then Fulham, Palace and Bournemouth as their next three after that, which is a fairly decent opening run of fixtures. But like you say, it's with that tone, like Tony suspension for the first half of the season, it really opens up Visserin and Bremo, and they're going to be definitely the most highly owned Brentford players going into the start of the season, I'd imagine. Yeah, you've got to think so. And Bremo, especially being on penalties as well. Visser was very good, though, in the back end of last season. Got 111 points over the course of the season and 111 points from seven goals scored and four assists, 11 returns for 111 points. Now, if that isn't beautiful numeri, numeri, numerology, I'm not sure. <laughs> if that isn't pretty numbers, then what is Matt? I, I mean, I just don't know. Uh, I like what you said just made no sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, like you say, obviously Flecken's in. Um, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I think everyone just assumed once they'd signed him that Ray was off. But now, obviously, with Spurs going elsewhere in their hunt for a keeper, um, obviously United have signed Onana. So there's not really the market out there for anyone to go in and sign him now. So, um, I just yeah, I can't really see him moving on. Most likely club to sign him is Bayern Munich at the moment, apparently. There you go. Um, and I don't know if that'll be... They're, they're linked with everyone, yeah. aren't they? No, they're, they're linked with absolutely everyone in the transfer window. So True, yes. yeah. Um, Tottenham is still there. But as are Chelsea, surprisingly, that could be a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise. Um I think Raya is still a good option. They've got Henry and Pinnock, both 4.5 million defenders, that are both just great options for rotation in a team at the moment. I think pick one is a drop of a hat. They both got 112 FPL points last season. Yeah, and obviously you always got to include me in that as well, captain, leader, legend. Uh, and they signed Nathan Collins from Wolves um, in quite a big move as well. Um, and as, as someone at Wolves, he never really struck me as like the great sort of defender. But 
I have absolute faith in Brentford's recruitment policy, so he could be one that um, could potentially prove us wrong. I'm not sure, you know, because Brentford over the last few years haven't done that well with recruitment. Uh, a lot of their players are actually ones that were bought three or four years ago, so they've really started tripping and tumbling recently in the past few years or so. Whereas before, they were nailed on. Now, since they've been a Premier League club for a while, the recruitment has fallen flat. If you look at Brentford transfers in over the last... So Nathan Collins, Kevin Shader, Flecken, Finn Stevens. This is all from recently. Nathan Collins was a record sign. Christian Eriksen last the season before last. Yeah, Christian Eriksen the season before last. But they've been hit and miss typically with Brentford. Brilliant team, well managed. You should probably own them in FPL for at least some of the season. Um, if you were to pick three assets, go. Um, Boimo is obviously number one for me. Mm -hmm. Vissa probably two. And then David Raya. Ooh. I think taking prices into consideration, I'd go Umbremo, Pinnock and Henry as the top three. And Pinnock and Henry, I think, are as good as each other. So Visser would be after that, and I think he's a fine option. Um, now, shall we talk about Brighton? The most talked about team in FPL last year. Lost McAllister, probably going to lose Caicedo. Uh, what? Yeah, but McAllister, shit, he's not gone anywhere good, so... Right, we'll wait and see about that. However, they've still got some very, very enticing players. And in the second draft of an FPL that I put together, I have two Brighton players. So, if you're looking at Brighton... Oh, can I guess? Yes, go. Um, Dennis Undav. Nailed it. Next. No. Um... Uh... And Saiso? <laughs> Damn, I thought you might go uh, for a cheap option. Um, da -da -da, Mitoma? Yes, very obvious one. And da -da -da. I really hope it's not a stupid one. It is a stupid one. It is a stupid one. I just thought that was going to be too obvious. So I wanted I wanted you to go somewhere a little bit more rogue. Yeah, yeah. It would be fun if I'd have gone for like uh, Danny yeah, Danny, Danny Ferguson, Gilmore, or something like that. Um, but no, when did they sign Shao Pedro? <laughs> I, it's, I, I don't know. Like Brighton just do things so much. Oh yeah, he was 34, 34 million yeah. euros apparently. Yeah, he was brought in. Um, it was agreed, I think, January last year, but only completed the move recently, or some some. My, I, the other question about Brighton is who's going to play in goal? Because obviously they had the rotation last year. They signed Verbruggen from Anderlecht uh, for about twenty million euros. I still think it's Steel. You know, I think that's probably his place to lose. But do you go out and sign a twenty million euro yeah. goalkeeper if you're not going to play them? Probably not, actually. So you'd imagine probably him. So four point five million. I think Brighton goalkeepers, you can wait and see them. Um, yeah, I think Estupignon is priced correctly on FPL. I don't think he's overpriced. I don't think he's underpriced. I would have liked to see him at 4.5, but completely get why he's a 5 million player. Uh, I think the one that's really underpriced for me, I think, is Mitoma. 6.5 million, and for such large periods of last season, he was the player to own. He was phenomenal. He had 24 starts and got 138 FPL points. Seven goals scored, nine assists and 24 starts. I think once he gets a full season under him, he'll be brilliant. And for expected goals, it felt like he should have been getting like 10 goals a game. His XG in 24 starts was 8.29, which suggests he's performing under where he should be. But I think... He was a really, really top-class player, and he is going to be in so many teams from the start of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the only thing with Brighton, and this, as I'm saying this, I'm already about to backtrack on it, is what they do if Caicedo leaves. 
but they'll just pull someone else that they've got in the youth rank somewhere who'll be the next big player and they'll be sold for £80 million next summer. They've already signed uh, Dahoud from uh, Dortmund, who is essentially going to fit the McAllister bill. If Caicedo leaves, Billy Gilmore will just become and go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they'll pull something out. I'm not worried about Brighton at all in terms of the way they play. So... I think they're still very ownable. Luton at home, first fixture as well. Uh, my three... The other one to talk about is Solly March, who is going to be back from injury. He might take a little bit of time to get into match fitness, though. And he was a peripheral expected goal underachiever last season, having an expected goal... Oh, to be fair, he didn't underachieve it by that much, according to the stats, but realistically, he was underachieving in most games. Um, I... I refused to get on the March hype bus. <laughs> I think he had a purple patch. I just... He's not a great footballer. I disagree, but I don't think he's a good finisher. So that's why I won't be getting on the March hype. Um, James Milner? Nope. Next. <laughs> that's your Carcano replacement. James Milner, 39. No, it's not. Um, so I am going to put as my top three... Uh, Matoma as one, Estupignon as number two, and Evan Ferguson as number three. The only reason Ferguson is number three is because Welbeck has been good in preseason, so I think he's more likely than Ferguson to get the nods for the opening games. By the end of the season, Ferguson will have broken him, but I don't think he will immediately. Fair enough. For me, it's Matoma, it's Estupignon, and it's Enciso. Nice. Uh, 5.5 as a midfielder now because he was a he was a forward last season. I think that's that's a, a real tempter for me. Interesting. Well, next one to go through, and I feel like we can rifle through this because I'm not convinced I know anything, is the Veghorst team, Burnley. <laughs> so um, I want I want to own Vincent Company. Can I have him? I would love to own Vincent Company. Um what makes Burnley interesting is that they've got four million defenders. That's the only reason you'd invest in Burnley, realistically, and for Veghorst banter. Um, so Bayer for Burnley played right back all season last season. Only got one attack in return. Or was it left back? I don't know. Um, but only got one attack in return all season. So he's not going to get your attack in returns, but he's going to get two points on the bench every week, which is what you want from a four million bench warmer. So... For me, he's the only one in consideration from Burnley. Unless, do you have any different perspectives? Nathan Redmond? Um, I just want to point out they have had the best transfer announcements this season. They've been incredible, haven't they? Their social media team is on point. Give them a pay rise. Uh, but no, um, the, the interesting one they have, they, they just signed James Trafford, the keeper from Man City, who uh, performed the heroics for the England under-19s in the Euros saving a penalty in the 94th or 95th minute of the final to win the to win the tournament um and as a, i don't know i don't actually know how much he is let's have a look 4.5 uh 4.5 so yeah that's unfortunate if he was a four he would probably be a great shout as your second keeper agreed um i think there are there aren't three players for me in burnley so do you want to have a crack Veghorst, Veghorst, and Jay Rodriguez. Brilliant. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> now, this is a club that we want to talk about because it's Romelu Lukaku's club. Let's not go there. Let's not dive in. Let's just... Lukaku is not part of this conversation. So, Chelsea. What do we think about Chelsea? Um... Where do you even begin with you start this at the goalkeeper. club? You start at the goalkeeper and then you say, it's Kepper, no thank you. And you move on to the next. Kepper at 5 million is a no-go. Considering the other players you could get in that position at 5 million, Kepper is the bottom of that list for me. Then you move on to defenders and you realise that none of them got any points last season. Thiago Silva, who's about 80 now, was their top scoring defender in FPL. Um, realistically, the ones you want to be looking at are Chilwell and James, both at 5.5. And we know both can be explosive, but both come back off injury-ridden seasons. Nope. Um, the one I think <laughs> in their defence is Lewis Colwell, 
who has is wanted desperately by Liverpool and every other club, won't go there. Um, but he did really well for Brighton last season on loan. And it looks like with Fofana's latest injury, there's a good chance he could get a shot in the Chelsea lineup. Fofana just can't catch a break, can he? The poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. Crying into his hundreds of millions that he's earned from doing nothing. It's hard life. <laughs> um, so, but I'm still not convinced by any of the defenders. Um, midfield, you're going to hate me for it. I think there's a case for Raheem Sterling. You're wrong. I don't hate you for that. I just hate you for existing. Um... <laughs> just so needless. <laughs> but no, um, I don't know. I just find Chelsea as a whole uninvestable. If you'd have given, if you'd have said Sterling at the start of last season at seven million, I'd have bitten your hand off for it mm. uh, coming in from City and just his pedigree in the league. But I don't know. I just I can't get excited about any of them. The only ones, and I'm jumping ahead to the strikers here, mm. are Nkunku and Jackson, who have both come in for big money this summer. Uh, you've got to think one of them is going to score some goals because they need to. I mean, Nkunku typically played as a number 10. He's got a great goal scoring record, was really, really good for Leipzig last season, alongside Savoslai, um, who's gone to Liverpool. But he's typically playing as a shadow striker. And Jackson is still very early. Like he, he's not really proven himself in any big leagues. Can I not tempt you with an Armando Broya? Nope. Because <laughs> as much as I'd love to say yes, um, it's just not going to happen. Uh, just looking at Jackson, 12 goals and five assists in La Liga last season in 34 games. Uh, it's not horrendous, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he settles in because it just feels like anyone that comes into Chelsea at the moment is cursed. Yeah, and what you can do with Chelsea is actually wait. Their first game is Liverpool at home. Their second game is West Ham away. So you could wait till after those fixtures. Then you invest in them for Luton at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Bournemouth away. So you can wait until game week three before you go in. And by then, you should have an idea of who's starting in those wing positions. Because at that point, you could be looking at Sterling. You could be looking at Majoreki. You could be looking at Mudrik. Maybe even Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to come back into the frame. Once we know who's starting in those four positions for Chelsea, we can look at investing from game week three onwards. Um, we also forgot to mention with Burnley, we already have our first blank of the season um, in game, game week two. two. Burnley v Luton. Which I'm ben- sure people were really banking on. <laughs> Does mean a big horse double game week, though. Come on! Um, but I'm yeah. ready to be oh. held again. Uh, the stadium is not going to be ready in time, so uh, to the surprise of absolutely no one. (laughs) Chelsea, if you're looking at three players, I think for me, I'm going Sterling, James, Sterling, Chilwell, James. I am going James, Chilwell and Nkunku. I like it. Bold. Let's look at Crystal Palace then, who has said goodbye to Wolf Zaha. Alise rumoured to be chatting to both Chelsea and Man City right now. If you're a Palace fan, you're a bit upset right now, right? Yeah, it's that obviously Zaha's been their talisman for years. Um, other than his brief um, and less than fruitful spell at Man United, he has been their outstanding performer for God knows how long. So losing him is obviously huge. The potential to lose Elise is also very damaging for them. Um, But it does mean that probably Eze is the standout for them now. Yeah, Eze is the only... Well, and the defence, actually, I still think is worthwhile. If Johnston is going to be confirmed as a starting keeper, I think Crystal Palace are very good at keeping clean sheets against teams below them. Problem is, after quite a nice opening fixture against Sheffield United, they play Arsenal at home, Brentford away. And then it doesn't get much better with Villa away and Manu away coming up soon after that. So I think you can almost wait and see with Crystal Palace defenders and goalkeepers. If you're going to go in, then you probably go into the midfield and forward line with your boy, Mateta, looking good in pre-season. 
It's uh, yeah, it's a tough one as well with them because at the moment, as things stand, they've well, they've made one signing, and that's Jefferson Lerma on a free transfer from Bournemouth. So nothing's really changed. All that's happened is they've lost their probably best player. Yeah. Uh, they've obviously confirmed as well that Hodgson's going to be in charge for the season. I don't know if that makes them more or less investable. I'd probably argue less because I know he had a good period when he came in and kept them up, but I just don't think it's a lo- good long-term strategy because what's he really realistically going to be there for a year? No, it's, it's mad, isn't it? Um, talk of Decore going as well. So I think that's a bit of a clubbing crisis at the moment. Um, yeah. If I'm going to pick three players, I think Edouard is there because he's cheap. Uh, well, Eze is first. Edward as a 5.5 million forward is cheap. And then you're looking at Mitchell, I think, over Gwehi for potential attacking sounds, but you could flip a coin. But I think that's where I'm at with Palace. Any objections? Anything different? No, I think it's one of the two strikers. It's Eze and it's one of the two defenders you mentioned as well for me. So I just, yeah, no one's going to be rushing to bring them in, are they? Well, talk of teams people are going to be rushing in. The next <laughs> is Dadala Everton. And Everton with the new arrival of the young talisman, Ashley Young. Tell me. Young, Ashley Young, the only player in FPL to have been a forward, a midfielder and a defender at some point in his career. Soon he'll be goalkeeper and he'll have completed the FPL set. <laughs> it's um, they're going to have such an old back line aren't they it's going to be so funny <laughs> but also they're going to be fine this season because Sean Dyche yeah I mean you look at someone like a James Tarkovsky he's probably just going to get points this season he's going to be like just plodding along picking up the odd clean sheet he'll get the odd goal as well he'll get um, probably get some bonus points thrown in so yeah, I think Tarkovsky, not only is he their best defender, but he's their best attacker as well. So, especially. Hang on. Hang on. Are you on. about to talk to me about Neil Malpe? You know, he's got two games in him and they're both against West Ham. So, just get him in for those two and he'll probably be their top scorer. <laughs> um, Calvert Lewin, an interesting class at six million. If he can stay fit for more than a game and a half, I think that could be tempting later down the line. Yeah, that's, that is a huge if, though, isn't it? Yeah. And well, if you look at three of Everton's first four games are Fulham at home, Wolves at home, Sheffield United away. So you've got to think if you own him from the off, it could be a risk that really pays off. I mean, yeah, potentially. Um, They've brought Dan Juma in as well, who um, obviously rejected them uh, in January. (laughs) So he's finally signed. I mean, he even said in his interview, like the managerial situation at the time, Lampard was sort of half out the door. You can't Mm. blame him for walking away at that point. Um, So he might come in um, and hit the ground running, but I don't know. Um, Can I tempt you by Dwight McNeil or Alex Iwobi? No. No. (laughs) Uh, Worth noting that Jordan Pickford got 124 points in FPL last season. Not bad for a team that was awful the whole season. And has three of his four opening fixtures is looking good. As a 4.5 goalkeeper, I think he's tempting. And I hate the man. Yeah, there's like he is pretty consistent. You know what you're getting with Jordan Pickford, don't you? So um, you can definitely do worse. Yeah, you're you're getting shot. I mean... I, I think he is worth a shout as a 4.5, but... T-Rex arms. T-Rex arms, indeed. Um, okay, so... Here's I... an interesting one for you. Go. Do you think we start to see the redemption arc for Deli Ali now after everything that's happened with him? I think you can't watch that documentary and not hope for it. That being said, in a Sean Dyche team... A player like Deli Ali will really, really struggle to get through. The I wonder, and it's not it, it's not exactly particularly insightful because it's been quite well documented. Could you see him ending up with Poch at Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely can. You have the thing about Poch wanting to call Deli Ali the other day. Yeah, I can see that happening one hundred percent. 
I'd be interested in that. And um, Deli Alley at Chelsea, just because if he can pick up where he left off, he was wonderful for us for a while. Especially but when um, it looks like Conor Gallagher's, Conor Gallagher's going to be on his way out the door potentially. So yeah, fifty million they're asking for from West Ham. Be interesting to see if he goes. Um, Everton. If I'm picking three, I'm going McNeil. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not going McNeil. I'm going Tarkovsky, then Pickford, then Calvert Lewin as my top three for Everton. I'm going Tarkovsky, Pickford, and just because I think it's funny, Ashley Young. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the final team in this first half of the Premier League FPL analysis. And we have Fulham Football Club. Now, what the fuck is going on with Mitrovic? <laughs> um, I just, this whole thing. At least we know Marcus Silva is staying. So Fulham will be fine this season. Marco Silva is a top 10 Premier League manager. Fulham will be fine. They're making moves in the transfer market. They've bought Raul Jimenez, who, which I love. How many players transfer for their FPL price? 5.5 million Raul Jimenez cost Fulham and 5.5 million he costs an FPL. We were talking about numerology earlier with the 111. This is symmetry, baby. Raul Jimenez is football. Maybe that's what they did when they were going through how much should we bid? And they were like, I don't know. What's this FPL price? Let's go for that. Um, but like, it's uh, the whole Mitrovic situation and. Mitrovic obviously throwing his toys out the pram. Then you get Tony Khan coming out and saying that they can get away with anything, including murder. And <laughs> you're like, Jesus Christ, Tony, calm down. That guy is <laughs> so much cocaine all of the time. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, he's in the wrestling business. So he's got to be on something. Um, it, it's, just, it's just hilarious, isn't it? In, like, there is absolutely no surprise to anyone that Mitrovic is a mercenary. And I don't think that price was unreasonable. You know, he's got what in the last three seasons, 110 goals for them or something like that. I mean, he's been really, really strong for them. And I don't know why they would expect anything less than 50 million for a proven top class striker. That being said, he's unhonorable on FPL, but it could open the door to Vinicius. Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, Vinicius and Jimenez—they're both sort of that backup. And at five and five point five, they're both very cheap as a third striker. Yeah, very much so. Um, midfielders as well. I've got a lot of love for Andreas Pereira. Five point five million, one hundred and twenty-three FPL points last season. Will be on penalties if Mitrovic isn't there. There's a case there. Uh, yeah, definitely. There is no arguing that there is a good case there. Uh, he was everyone's. It was pretty much in everyone's team all of last season. Um, he, he, he faded away a bit towards the end, um, but I think that was indicative of Fulham's performances at the end as well. When they when they basically secured safety, it was um, they took the foot off the gas a little bit and they were on the beach. Um, but another person worth mentioning is someone who had quite a good season. Is Burnt Leno, um, 142 points for a 4.5 million goalkeeper. Uh, he's in my team at the moment. He's was the main reason Fulham did as well as they did defensively last season. And he would regularly pick up save points. It went really under the radar, but that's only, what, 10 points less than Ramsdale got, 10 points less than um, what Rayo got, both of whom are 5 million. I think Leno is the best goalkeeping option in the uh, game right now. Oh, no, no. What's my name? I disagree, but we'll speak about that next. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can, I'm going to go on it now. Right, you can absolutely see. First game of the season, game one. Man United won, Wolves nil, Luke Shaw assist, Rashford goal. 75 minutes, Luke Shaw comes off. Three bonus points, clean sheet, 12 points locked up. Diego Costa or whoever the fudge plays for Wolves now goes and scores an equaliser in the 88th minute. 1-1. Onana, two points. Luke Shaw, 12. That's going to happen for the majority of the season. Um, I believe Luke Shaw will rack up points. I don't think Onana will to nearly the same extent. 
So I think Bernd Leno is the best keeper in the league to own on FPL for the start of the season. Pitching my flag here. I got you easy there, didn't I? All I had to mention was a Man United player and then watch you go. What, Man U? I thought we were talking about Everton's own honour. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, you, you got me. And I, I also was very complimentary about Luke Shaw as well. Yeah, you were, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is 10 teams done and dusted. So, Fulham, what's your top three? I think um, Leno then Pereira, and then one of the strikers as a third. So I'm going to go for Jimenez. Yeah, I think uh, Vinicius would be mine, but I, I agree like, with the order. Um, cool, that is the top 10 teams done. We will That's the va- top 10? That's the season. Oh, yeah. like, Man City aren't even getting top 10 yeah. next season. You heard it you're, here you're first, people. You're a Man United. Like, this, is, this is football. Football is life. Go Richmond! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Um, right, we will be back at some point next week to follow up with the next 10 teams. Looking if I'm alive, if Matt's alive, and if I'm alive as well, looking Liverpool to Wolves. Hopefully, we'll have a bit more clarity over all the transfer stuff going on by then as well. You can part words losing. Oh, it's the end of the podcast, as always happens. Why do you let me speak at the end? Right. Why don't you speak at any point? (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at Big at that. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Higgins92 and Tom is at TomMadden92. Don't forget to, if you are watching this on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, all that good shit. Uh, We do appreciate anything. And um, if you fancy it, put a comment down about who your top picks from these 10 sides are this season as well. Looking forward to seeing everyone put habits. Right. Thank you, everyone. And we will see you next week.